0: Welcome to Invested in Climate. Protecting the planet and decarbonizing the global economy is the challenge of our time. We all have a role to play, and the opportunity we face is unprecedented. Invested in Climate aims to help people do more to address climate change through their work, investment, lifestyle, and activism. I'm your host, Jason Rissman. I support a growing community of top climate and ESG leaders as the Chief Experience Officer at Wealth and I'm an advisor to the climate practice at IDEO. I'm also an investor and startup advisor, and when it comes to climate action, I know I'll be a lifelong learner, always looking to have more impact. If you like what you hear, give us a good rating on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you found us. Sign up for updates and suggest ideas for future episodes at InvestedInClimate.com. Follow us on social, subscribe, and spread the word. Thanks for joining
1: Yes, we should be optimistic. But we should be realistic that we're not moving fast enough, and the speed at which we can move is going to fundamentally depend on the leaders who are pulling the levers that move that system forward. And my argument, we need the types of leaders coming out of Activate to play the role they're playing, plus larger and larger roles over the course
0: of their career. Hi, everyone. At the center of climate progress are scientists. They're developing new technologies with which we can build a new, more sustainable global economy. Moving inventions from a lab to startup companies to scaled products, however, takes more than science. Research scientists had long lacked a support structure to help them build successful businesses. That's where Activate came in. Founded in 2015 at the Lawrence Berkeley National Laboratory, Activate is a fellowship program that has helped almost 200 science fellows create companies that have now collectively created about 2,000 jobs and have raised about $1.5 billion. To learn more about Activate's important work, we're joined today by Activate CEO, Cyrus Wadia. Cyrus brings a unique background, spanning time in the Obama administration, in academia, at Nike, and at Amazon. We talk about how Activate works, lessons they're gathering across climate tech verticals, examples of companies emerging from their fellowship, opportunities, gaps, and much more. I'm a big fan of the work Activate is doing, and I guess you'll soon be too. Enjoy. Cyrus, welcome to Invested in Climate. Thank you for being here today.
1: Yeah, thank you. Really great to be here.
0: Well, I'm a big fan of the organization that you're here representing and excited to learn more and excited to learn more about you Cyrus, you have a fascinating background. You've worked in government, in industry, and with some very well known companies, and also in academia. Let's get started with a very quick flyover of your career, visit the stops you've made along the way, and let's hear about the questions that have really driven you over the years.
1: Well, let's start there. So, I started my career in the mid 90s in Silicon Valley, I was an entrepreneur. I was getting kind of immersed in the web and e-commerce and mobile technology kind of really at the origin story of those technologies and those mega trends. I love that experience. I learned a lot about product and consumer product in particular. I found my way into an academic role at UC Berkeley because I wanted to take that entrepreneurship and those skills that I learned. And my dream was, how can I make a new solar technology in the lab? and be the one to take that to market. That's what I was really excited to do. The core technology I was interested in had to be scalable, had to be cheap, because I was looking at the 2 billion people on the planet that had no access to energy at the time. Even as I kind of finished up my degree, it wasn't time. There was still so much more development that would have to happen before any potential investor could kind of come in. So my plan at the time was to continue down that road and be that science entrepreneur. At that moment in time, my career took a completely different turn. I was invited to the White House to help with and support policy and energy and manufacturing and materials. And that's the type of phone call you don't turn down. I wasn't really looking for it, but when I got the call, I said, yeah, this is a place where I can make an impact. And this was in the years of President Obama. So I thought it was going to be about a year, maybe two, ended up being six years. We were out in the DC area for that time. And it was exciting. I was getting to work on all sorts of things. From there, I went into the corporate sector. I wanted to work on product again and really invent. But I didn't want to give up the scale piece of this. So I found my way to Nike. Nike invited me to come lead sustainability. And so I had the privilege to do that for several years. And then I wanted to go even bigger, I guess, so I found my next move was go to Amazon and really push myself to the limits of scale. In both cases, leading sustainability, there's a lot to that, we can talk more about it, but a couple things that aren't always obvious when you're leading sustainability in these corporations, you do have an opportunity to think about incentives in the system that help drive good ideas through and in big platforms like that, you get to work on that. So I did that. That was about 10 years of my career. And then just as I was leaving Amazon, I was ready for something different and got connected with Activate. And here I am.
0: Here you are. Well, let's talk about it. You recently started as CEO of Activate. Tell us about the new role and really what is Activate and what's the problem it's aiming to address?
1: So Activate, we're a nonprofit and we're in the business of people. So we exist to serve. What I would call a new and growing class of entrepreneurial scientists. You know, back to my story. When I was coming out of my doctorate degree, with the idea of being an entrepreneur, with a the technology, there's very little support structure around that. So eight years ago, when Activate started, they set out to create a new support category for scientists to go into entrepreneurship. And these are specifically scientists in the hard tech space. So think chemistry and materials and engineering. So that's who we are. We run a fellowship program and we're looking for people who are deep in sort of this technical capacity with an aspiration that their technologies and maybe companies that can emerge from what they're doing help solve society's biggest problems. But we're also looking for folks with the capacity to develop and grow as leaders. And I think over the course of their career, the impact that they will have on society is going to go well beyond just how they're taking that initial idea out. But when I think about Activate in particular, I have to say that we fundamentally believe that entrepreneurship as a skill, there's a version of that that's teachable, trainable, coachable. And that's what we do with folks coming out of the lab and the results are exciting.
0: Tell us a bit more about who Activate Fellows are, who is your ideal candidate, how far along are they as an entrepreneur or as a scientist? Tell us a bit more about who you're really looking to work with.
1: If you think about it from the highest level, there are over 40,000 hard tech scientists out there accepting their degree every year. We as Activate, we run a fellowship program where we're supporting across several communities about 40 or 50 a year. And we get a lot of applicants. We get a lot of really talented people. I'd say one of the things that we're well-respected for, and as I see it up close, we're doing really well, is how do we select the right candidates? But I wanted to say that there are more of the right candidates out there than we could possibly absorb. So in some ways, it makes our job even harder. I think really what we're looking for are people who have these ideas that could be world changing. So they are thinking big. They have come from these places where they're being trained to be deep technical experts, but, but they have the capacity to understand how to operate at the system level. And this matters because if you think about leaders who are successful at scaling themselves, at driving real impact in society, their entire career, they're learning, they're developing, they're growing themselves, their own skill sets to have larger and larger impact out there. And so scaling yourself is not obvious, but we can find ways in which we can, when we're talking to candidates, understand whether or not they're going to quickly be able to move from point A to point B. One last thing I'd say is we also believe in the strength of a community. So it'd be really easy to kind of select, like have selection bias where You're only looking for those top performers that are like checking all the boxes, but we're looking for a diverse slate. People who, if we're in the business of moving someone from A to B as part of this fellowship program over two years, I want to see kind of a distribution of kind of starting point because I think that actually lends strength to the community as well as create the right support structure to bring everybody up faster.
0: Let's double-click there and tell us about that support structure. What is it that the fellows get, and how does the fellowship work?
1: So we provide two years of funding. They get stipend, travel allowance, health insurance. They also get $100,000 in R&D funds and We provide different mechanisms with some of our venture partners on flexible capital to to support what they're doing. So that's kind of, think about that as time and funding. So we're giving you a salary that's competitive so that you have the time and space to keep going, not have to think about, well, maybe I should go into this company here or find this academic position here. Part of the challenge historically with these hard tech problems is finding patient capital out there. And so we're plugging this gap to give them that time. And the fellowship is that compensation plus some of these other financial bits and pieces. On top of that, it's what we call our community. And think about this as a network of advisors, partners, champions. We have a very active community out there. It's really exciting to see. And I'd say that ranges from scientists to engineers, entrepreneurs, corporates, policymakers. A lot of folks have become invested in our success, but really the success of our fellows because they see what we see. That this is the future, right? These are the leaders that are going to really carry some, some big things down the road. And so I am very, in a positive way, excited and surprised by the vastness of our community. We also have, if you look at the program, There's a lot of day-to-day activity with our fellows. So we don't just give them a coupon and send them on their way. We're with them day to day. And we have very senior managing directors that reside in these communities. We have a support team around that managing director. We provide very direct coaching and support to our fellows. And this to me is also part of the secret sauce because you kind of know how hard it is to start a new venture. No matter where you come from, and to make that transition as a scientist, these are all new things. How do I start a company? How do I form a board? How do I raise money? We're with them in every step. No matter where they are, we're there to support in a very deep way, and that's different. But we think that's really part of the the success criteria of our program that we're providing them that level of hand to hand support. So that, in a nutshell, is what we're providing to our fellows. It's pretty exciting.
0: It is definitely exciting, an underserved market with high potential research scientists who previously had no support. You're coming and offering a really thoughtful support structure that's actually multifaceted and multi-stakeholder in its approach. It all ladders up to some impressive results. And let's hear about that. Tell us a bit about what Activate has been able to achieve.
1: Okay, so since 2015, we've had 188 fellows go through our program, and they have created... 147 science-based companies. What they've collectively raised, if you look in aggregate, is one and a half billion dollars on top of what we gave them. That is a huge lever, right? That is catalytic. And they're still going, right? This is just the start. A lot of these companies are moving into their series B and C, and it's exciting to see that. The number we use is 24 times leverage on every dollar spent by us you could talk about jobs too. 2000 jobs have been created by these fellows. The company is the thing that you see and we can measure that. We can talk about that. And I think that's the thing that also excites people, right? Wow. This great new battery technology or These guys are decarbonizing cement and that's exciting. But I am so proud when I look at the whole 188 fellows have gone through of the leaders they've become. They're testifying to Congress. They're forging relationships with massive companies like Google. They're being named to Forbes 30 under 30. The results that are harder to measure or see immediately are also there. And that in a nutshell is kind of what we've seen. And like I said, we're just getting started, it feels like.
0: Just getting started, but already a billion and a half dollars raised by your fellows. That's very impressive. And 24 times leverage on your investment also incredibly impressive. The number that caught my eye actually was the $6.3 million raised on average during the fellowship. It suggests that your team is probably deeply involved in helping make sure that even while they're still fellows, they're successful in fundraising. So tell us a bit about how that actually works.
1: It goes back to the support structure that we've created. We put the entrepreneur in the center and There's a world of resources out there for those entrepreneurs to tap into, and we help them navigate those resources. We make that a little less painful. That's number one. So that includes what I've been told over 400 venture companies that talk to us, participate with us. They're looking at our fellows. They see it as a very sort of credible pipeline of talent and pipeline of companies. So we've built relationships that now our fellows can leverage. And we're... A fellow's first mentality. So we're going to help the fellow do what's in the best interest of the fellow. We don't take equity in the companies. And that, I think, puts us in a position of true mentorship and counsel that the fellows take seriously and can trust. So when they're trying to raise money, we can help them on a lot of different things. We could talk about just the pitch and how they can sharpen their pitch, how they can choose the right investors to pursue or to work with. And we can share our experiences through the eight years we've been doing this of different potential partners and investors. And I think all of that helps when they're out there trying to raise the capital. But the number you said does speak to one other thing. And that is, if you're an investor out there, you're looking for these pathways into hard tech science. But before Activate, they were hard to find. And so in a way, Activate is helping de-risk both the idea and the talent. Behind them. And that I think has made us very attractive to the investment community that is interested in getting more involved in this space.
0: Okay, Sarius, so let's get more tangible and hear about some of the success stories. And I know it's always hard to pick favorites. So I'll get us started and I'll ask you to share about a couple of companies that stood out for me. And then I'll let you surface any that you think will help complete the picture. Let's hear about Sublime Systems and CalWave. And I should disclose, I'm actually an advisor to CalWave, but would still love to hear your take on them.
1: So Sublime is one of those companies that's routinely recognized and get a lot of coverage and awards. They were named MIT's Technology Review, 15 climate tech companies to watch. Leah Ellis, their founder, CEO, she's testified at Congress I was talking about folks showing up in policy as well and davos so a lot to really respect there and they have created an environmentally friendly alternative for cement this i love right because there's the whiz bang technologies that can really just drive your imagination but we're very active with fellows who are trying to they're looking at industrial materials hard to abate sectors like that and Sublime is one of them. So I'm really excited for where they're going. My understanding, I may not have this exactly right. They just raised $40 million in series A and they have a commercial plant in Massachusetts. Sublime. You mentioned Cal Wave. They are unlocking carbon-free power for ocean waves and... The numbers I've read or heard 20 to 30% of our demand could come from wave energy, but this is still underexplored, right? This is not a big part of our energy portfolio, but it has a huge decarbonization potential. And they have these fully submerged long duration pilots off the coast of San Diego. So I'm glad to know you're involved with CalWave. It's
0: a very cool company.
1: Yeah. You want to hear about a few others?
0: Yeah, let's do it.
1: The list can go on and on. And and full disclosure, I'm not deeply familiar with a lot of these, but I do like to talk about a few. Fervo, they are in the game of geothermal. And we just talked about wave energy's potential. Geothermal has this equal potential for our future grid. And they are creating advancements in drilling, subsurface analytics that make geothermal more attractive commercially. They're working with Google, something called Project Red. There's a company, Noon, Noon Energy. They have a flow battery technology. They just closed a $28 million Series A. Sonera, this is slightly different, and it's kind of a good one for me to talk about that's not entirely about climate, but they're democratizing portable, high-performance brain imaging that is reducing size, weight, cost. They're building a sensor that can detect brain activity just the same way we can measure heart rate. And they just closed $11 million. We have low carbon cement manufacturers. There's Brimstone. We have 12. There's many more I could talk about. I'll just pause there because you could get me going for a while on these, but when you meet the fellows and you see these companies, it's, it really is something else. They are building the future.
0: Well, fantastic. I mean, the breadth really speaks for itself. Clearly, you're working across verticals, things ranging from wave energy to geothermal to cement. So you've got the full spectrum. And that makes me really curious about what the organization has been learning. Are there different needs emerging from different spaces that match up well with the type of support that Activate offers? Or what are you learning in terms of where you can be most effective within the broad range of climate tech?
1: We're tech agnostic. We're very focused on the the human capital, the person part of this. And I would just say hard tech and science, these they're hard for a reason, right? And we need to be in the business of atoms more than bits if we're going to solve problems such as climate. These areas need patient capital. They require a depth of technical development. We get to see and catch these great ideas very early at the start of the pipeline, which means, interestingly, Activate has a little bit of a perch and a view on what's coming down the road. So that has led us, I think, to themes and categories, maybe a little bit before the rest of the world has caught on and we get to continue to see that. I think that just in general, we don't have an investment philosophy where we're saying this is a gap in the market that we're trying to plug. We believe, back to the agnostic part, there's a lot of room for innovation, even in established sectors. And we believe that these leaders, they're going to start here, but then over the course of their career, they may change, they may pivot, they may work on other problems that have a societal benefit. And so really, it's the talent development part of this that becomes that currency that we carry through the longevity of the program. But to your point, we do get to see early ideas and that that's something that I hadn't thought too much about, but that's something that's pretty interesting as well.
0: Well, let's zoom in there if you're able to. I'd I'd love to get a sense of, given your fingers on early stage pipeline, what's coming? And also, what are you not seeing? Where do you think there are gaps and we actually need more attention?
1: Well, (laughs) there's the question and there's the spirit of the question. So you're going to get the spirit of the question on what I'm not seeing. But the pool of technologies coming through I think they track to some things that you would expect. For example, carbon removal is a growing area that tracks to the market. We are seeing more ideas on transmission. Okay, we've got this fully electrified world. Now, how do we actually move those electrons around? We're seeing maybe a renewed interest in nuclear and hard to permit and regulations that affect those permits and development of these big facilities. So it's all over the map and the team could probably give you a lot more precision to some of the things that they're seeing, but we do see some trends. Now, in terms of the spirit of the question, I personally would love to talk about more and maybe see more investment in the incentives that support these technologies to scale faster. We are in a race against time. Our enemy is the clock when it comes to climate And we can't move these things fast enough, we being this collective we, society. So we have a lot of work to do still on fueling the innovation pipeline for these hard tech areas. That is for sure true. So I'd love to see more capital flow in that direction. And I'd love to see a deeper understanding of how commercialization works. It's it's not just the idea, it's the incentives, the person, all the things that actually make this possible. How do we scale? But I come back to incentives all the time with my team when I'm talking to folks, because honestly, the friction in the system for commercialization of any of this technology is just so high and it's in many different places. So until we start looking very sort of deliberately at these places of intervention that we as society can help release that friction, we're going to still struggle to get these ideas to the market, to get them to scale and to realize the impact that they all can have.
0: Give us some examples of where it's working well, of where there's less friction or where there's interventions or investments that are really actually producing the types of results that you'd want.
1: We're seeing the growth of areas such as solar and wind for the electrification of our grid. We're seeing a big spike in investment in both the innovation and scale of battery technology that's going to happen with the electrification of vehicles, which we believe also is one of the tools for decarbonization. But honestly, when it comes to more disruptive ideas, ideas that may be coming out of the lab today or recently, there is... Sort of this fledgling amount of early investment support, I think that could be stronger. There's less pull from corporates to actually take that on early, share in the risk early so that things can get to scale faster. So I think that's not working quite as well. We have policy interventions that are opening some financial avenues and incentives out there for lower carbon technologies. But- Anybody who's probably doing the math will probably say that we're far under invested in that as well. It's a tough question for me to answer because I've seen progress. I've seen a lot of progress and the optimists will say, yeah, it is working. But my challenge to them is, is it working fast enough? Are we satisfied with a three degree world or even a one and a half degree world, which is kind of where we're heading? And if the answer is no, then we've got to actually revisit the whole stack. And that's about leadership. So that's a different topic altogether.
0: Cyrus, a lot of people are excited about the role of AI in making climate solutions more efficient and more effective. Are you seeing a lot of applications of AI? And what are some examples that have been exciting to you?
1: Full disclosure, I am not an AI expert. I'm sure ChatGPT will have a much better answer than I will on this. We do have fellows that have incorporated AI into potential solutions. One that I got to know recently is DairyFit. They use this computer vision and machine learning algorithm to basically look at a cow's face. And based on their facial structure, it leads to new breeding and management plans, which leads to more successful farming and decarbonization. That's really cool. That's an idea I never would have come up with, but somebody did. And now we're helping them take this to market. That's one that comes to mind that I got to see recently. It's a good question too, from sort of just a platform point of view. I believe you can get the trend right, but your strategy can be wrong and you can still succeed. But if you get the trend wrong and your strategy is sort of meaningless. And so we're seeing this massive trend. I think it's a real one in artificial intelligence, machine learning. And so one thing that I think about a lot is how do I equip all of our fellows with the ability to use, leverage those tools as nascent as they are. I'm excited to see how those tools move more into materials discovery, into product development and design. I think that's coming. I don't know how mature that is. Again, we should ask ChatGPT, it'll give us a better answer, but I am really kind of curious where this goes, but I'm also very cognizant that this is something that we need to be doing more of with our fellows. So that's in addition to fellows that come to the table with an AI solve to a problem. And it's how do they, we allow all of them to use this new capability to accelerate their work.
0: Cyrus, like many great things, Activate started here in Berkeley, and now you have several Activate communities around the country, as well as a new initiative called Activate Anywhere. Tell us a bit about the history of the organization and how it's grown and any sort of growth plans that you might have for other geographies. Sure.
1: So the origin story of activate is really exciting because if you go back to the beginning, it started at Lawrence Berkeley lab it was called M 37. It soon became cyclotron road and the founder, Elon Gurr, he had an idea and his idea was connected to what we've already spoken about, that there aren't these pathways for these scientists to become entrepreneurs and to leverage their skills and their talents in a different way. So let's create a program that enables that Berkeley lab and the department of energy supported this and it was a success. And then what happened next was probably no surprise. All of a sudden, this is a new category and a lot of folks are coming out of the woodwork. How do we grow this faster? And so the team, that founding team, spun out of the National Lab, what's now known as Activate. And Activate has just been going like this ever since because other federal support has come in, state support has come in. We get a lot of support from the National Science Foundation to expand. We went from Berkeley, we set up a community in Boston, we set up a community in New York, we are launching a community in Houston this year, and we, coming all the way back to one thing you asked about, we started something called Activate Anywhere, and that's where I want to spend a little bit more time because this is a true success story. Anywhere was born out of COVID in a way where now you have this organization, they're seeing a lot of demand for Scientists who want this fellowship, who need it, who will benefit from it. Society will benefit from it. We're entering this moment in the world where everybody's at home. And part of the solve was, well, let's set up a virtual program and see if we can replicate the strength of our physical communities with a virtual community. So first off, it worked. It worked extremely well. All the metrics we use to measure the strength of the community, the outcomes of the program, we saw no difference and that gave us a lot of hope that we said, hold on, this now looks like a way that we can bring the best of Silicon Valley to other parts of the country, where if you're in Madison, Wisconsin, just rich with talent, or we've had an Activate Anywhere fellow from Los Alamos or Santa Barbara, and these are places that have less developed entrepreneurial ecosystems where this whole support structure is around the entrepreneur. Yet we can cut through that and find these talented folks, give them that support in this virtual way. That really speaks to where I think we can grow the program faster. So we have an eye towards more physical communities in the future as we continue to develop our program. And we have an eye towards how do we use Activate Anywhere's model and success to expand into other places that are often hard to reach.
0: Let's talk about partners. You mentioned before that you really you surround your fellows in communities of support with all sorts of different stakeholders. And I'm particularly interested in the role of corporations. Large companies are, of course, critical to helping climate tech solutions scale. And so I'm curious, how are corporate partners involved in Activate and how are they showing up to support your fellows?
1: I'm glad you asked this question because this is a point of interest for our organization and our fellows. And we have not developed it as fully as we could. So the first thing I'd say is we have work to do here and a call to action to anyone listening to this would be really interested in connecting. Well, that being said, we have a long history of corporations that have gotten interested. Some corporations have innovation functions or scouting functions for technology and they come to activate in much the same way A venture partner would come and say, hey, we're interested in understanding the pipeline of these low carbon technologies coming out of labs. We see you as a way to do that. Can we sponsor you? Or can we go as far as sponsoring a fellow? That doesn't influence kind of how we run our selection or program. It's just a partner like any other. Where I think we can go even further though, not every idea is a company. Not every scientist is a founding CEO. There's an opportunity here If I go back to the race against the clock point, there's an opportunity here where we create faster off-ramps for ideas and fellows directly into corporations that can quickly invest and scale these ideas. So that is the question I want to pursue. I want to understand how we can further that thinking and that model with the right partners. So I see a big opportunity there still. And again, if our collective goal here is we need to get these things out and we got to get them out fast and we got to scale them fast to realize the impact, then I think the future version of Activate Corporates have a much bigger part to play.
0: Cyrus, you spoke earlier about some of the missing interventions and missing leadership. It's easy to have a conversation like this and to hear about all the exciting innovations and the phenomenal support that Activate offers and, well, feel overly optimistic. The progress is, of course, really inspiring. And yet, at the same time, we know the need is tremendous. So I'm curious, what else needs to happen beyond the work that you're doing? How do we need to change our approach to addressing climate change?
1: The enemy is the normalization of a pace that's too slow. So the way I think about this is, how do I play in a system that's accelerating technology diffusion. That could be established technology. It could be new ideas coming out of the lab. Let's just talk about that for a second. To me, there are three key ingredients. We have to be working on the right ideas and ideas that will solve the problem in the long term if we kind of go future forward. We need incentives that really accelerate the pace at which technology can move through. And that starts with the market. We need market pull incentives. Governments have a role to play in that. Corporates have a role to play in that. But we need to stop looking inward at our own problems and be thinking at that system level if we are going to succeed. And then the third, often underexplored or overlooked, is the third ingredient is leadership in terms of commercialization. So think about it this way. You see a lot of this written on paper, this belief in the handoff okay, well, you know, a university will fund this research and then that'll get handed off to a venture capitalist. They'll take that research and make a company happen. And maybe there's a handoff that happens to another kind of large financer. And then there's a handoff that'll go into a corporate. These handoffs don't happen. And the reason they don't happen is we have a gap in leadership built to navigate through each of those phases So I talk a lot about right idea, right incentive. But when I talk about the right leader, we're looking at leaders who can actually be the glue across the commercialization stack and help move those things faster. That requires both a depth and an understanding of how the system works. So I feel like, yes, we should be optimistic. But we should be realistic that we're not moving fast enough. And the speed at which we can move is going to fundamentally depend on the leaders who are pulling the levers that move that system forward. And my argument, we need the types of leaders coming out of Activate to play the role they're playing plus larger and larger roles over the course of their career.
0: Thank you, Cyrus. Thank you for your time today and for all the work that you're doing.
1: Thank you. Very good.
0: Thanks for joining us for this episode of Invested in Climate. Please remember to rate us on Apple, Spotify, or Google. Find show notes, sign up for updates, get in touch, and visualize your climate action at investedinclimate.com. This podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes only and does not constitute financial, accounting, or legal advice. Thanks again.